he would feel like sometimes I'm emasculating him by the way I'm mm. talking to him. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a home where people got divorced and the women were strong and single parenthood was like normal. I mean, I'm a doctor, you're a doctor, why can't we be, be good? We're gonna be good. Right. Right? But he didn't think that that was gonna be okay, the way we fought. There were no boundaries. And it wasn't that we were calling names and things like that. Sometimes it's a little bit more vicious, right? It's saying, like, I didn't produce, because that's what he knew that would hurt me. For me, I was saying that he is not, like, nurturing, and he's not kind, and he doesn't look out for me. He ain't got my back, he's not a protector. And those are the things I knew would hurt him. Wow. And we had to learn how to stop doing that. You know, this and moment. And I can you still get emotional about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't think, I thought it was fair. I'm mad. I can say whatever. You know, you said something hurt my feelings. I get to hurt your feelings right back. And it got to be such a toxic, toxic environment. It was like, you don't even get to use words to me. Don't talk to me. Unless it has something to do with the kids. Don't talk to me. I am Rashawn Ali, everybody's homegirl, everybody's favorite soror, the cool soror, representing the ATL and the east side of the cater. What's happening? Five, four, three, two, three. Okay, here we go. It's the Cool Soar Podcast, hosted by me, Rashawn Ali. Let's go. Welcome to another edition of the Cool Soar Podcast. I am so happy that you have decided to click on or listen to this amazing show because that is what we do. We speak to women and black Greek letter organizations and men too. So we do have the cool bras definitely for this season. And I'm so very happy to have the one and only Dr. <laughs> Contessa Metcalf, who is a cool soarer of Delta Sigma Theta. Yeah. Gamma Alpha. Fall 95, baby. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. How are you doing? I am freaking fantastic. Yes. I feel great. And you look freaking fantastic. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have you a part of the show. We got a chance to see each other uh, in um, Fort Lauderdale. Yes. I came to you guys' I know. bowl game. That was spectacular. It was. Yeah, Xavier didn't have a football team. I went to Xavier. Yeah. Xavier, New Orleans. Xavier, New Orleans. But you're not from Xavier. You're no, not from New Orleans. I'm from Kansas City. Right. Home of the Chiefs. So yeah. that's why people are like sometimes... Why you got the chief stuff on? Because I'm from Kansas City. Yes. But it was just so much fun. I love that. I wish we had some dancing girls and a band and all that kind of stuff. We didn't have none of that. None of that stuff. I just always so I come support the fam. Yes, yes. But it was it's the HBCU experience for me. It really is. Absolutely. What made you choose Xavier from from Kansas City? So Xavier, I think it still is the fact, but it was number one in place in African Americans in med school. And I was pre-med. And so I actually really was interested in going to Spelman. Okay. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about the whole, like, where were you accepted to and where'd you get a scholarship to a little bit before we started? Yeah. So I really wanted to go to Spelman at first. My whole life, Spelman, Spelman. I got accepted. I got was like a presidential scholarship, but it didn't include room and board. Right. Oh. And my mother was a big time like, you're not going to Spelman. You're going to University of Missouri where you got a full ride to. We had what was called a joint scholarship. Yeah. To medical and undergrad. And my mom was like, you're going there. You're going to UMKC or are you going to MU? I said, lies. I'm going to where I want to go. And so she called Spellman and said, you can give her a scholarship away. She's not going there. What? And so this, I tell you the truth, this girl named, I was in debate and forensics, this girl named Manette. She barely, like Minnie Mouse, she actually barely spoke. And so Manette, thank you so much because she walked up to me and said, have you ever heard of Xavier? And I hadn't heard of them. Uh-huh. I filled out that application late admission. They gave me a full scholarship and full room and board. And I'm telling you the best decision I ever made in my life. So thank you, mom, from heaven, because Xavier was where I was supposed to be. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah. so that's how I ended up as Xavier. But 
My mom was like, you, you're going to school right here at home. You're not going away. What gave you that fighting spirit? Because I know like if my mother would have told me that back then at that age and even later on in life, like I never really fought her on what she kind of told me to right. do. I think a lot of us grew up in that era where like what, what mama said and daddy said is kind of it went. What gave you that fighting spirit? Where does that fighting spirit come from to even to be able to buck the system even with a parent. But believe it or not, my mom gave me that fighting spirit. <laughs> right, right. Right? And so my mom was not college educated. She and my dad both, which is interesting because my grandmother, my dad's mom went to Grambling. Mm. She was educator and she went to Grambling. And so what happened was I felt like, because growing up, I went to a majority school, right? I was in gifted and talented. And I was always like that black, right? Oh. Like people would be like, what's the black experience? Or can you tell me what black people are thinking? And I just felt like, they made me feel like a unicorn. And I knew that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I wanted to be surrounded by black greatness. And I felt like that was going to make all the difference in my life because there was a level of inferiority that I sometimes felt like, you know, black people weren't smart or black people aren't educated. And I just saw probably school days yeah. that messed me up. And I was like, I want that. I, that's what I want. That's what I want for college. Right. And and, I pro just, and probably uh, the Cosby show and, and a different world. Absolutely right. Oh, exactly. In yeah. a different world. Yeah. Exactly. But that, I wanted all of that. I wanted the Greek life. I wanted all of that. And I just didn't feel like I could get that at a majority school. When you walked on the campus campus of Xavier, what, what, what did it feel like that first day? Well, it's interesting because I had never visited. And oh, now you just Xavier, went. Oh, no. I'm, I'm telling you, Manette gave me a flyer for Xavier. And I was kind of, I was lost because I just knew I did not want to go to a big white school, right? Or majority school, I guess that's a better way. Yeah. Say, so apologize. No, PW, it's fine. Okay. okay. Ain't nobody going to cancel okay. you. This is a black show. <laughs> it's fine. We speak our language. Right. Well, I, but so, thank you to all of our corporate sponsors. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. But I got there and I was like, oh, crap, this place is not as big as my, it's like a little bit bigger than my high school. I, it don't look like, this don't look like FAMU. It don't look like Howard. It don't look like Spelman. Uh, the, HB, the AUC, because right. I had visited the AUC. Okay. So, right. So I had, I, so it was shocking to me because it was small, but again, it had this pedigree of greatness. Right. And then there was nuns. So it's like, oh, crap, we have a curfew. It was just a little different from what I expected. But now Xavier is a metropolis. It's amazing. And, and it's all about, and that's why giving back is so important. It's all about endowments. So when alumni don't give back, Howard and FAMU have huge endowments. That's yes, why do. those campuses look so spectacular. And that built environment for some kids is really important. For me, it wasn't. I just knew I needed to... I knew I could live in my mama's basement. Mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't going to be my journey. Right. And my mama wasn't going to even allow that to happen for me. Right. That was not welcome. <laughs> I had to make my own way. Yeah. So I knew this was going to be where I had to make it. But it was so small. Right. There was like two dorms at the time. Oh my. And literally like it was two or three built like, a, you know, I'm under I'm saying it, it was small. It was small. So yeah. but it was doing amazing things. And they had a pharmacy school. It was it was amazing for it to be such a small campus. Yeah. And you already knew prior to that you wanted to, you already knew you wanted to be a doctor. When did, did you know that being in pre-med was going to be something that you wanted to do? How young were you? So my, my mom was chronically ill and so was my dad. My mom had breast cancer in her twenties. Mm. And so she had initially a lumpectomy with radiation. And so for anyone who's gone through radiation, you know, you go in every single day for a while. And so that summer, and my dad actually had Crohn's disease, but my dad was on drugs. Oh, and so wow. for the most part, even though my mom and my dad were, you know, married still, my dad would be gone. Like he would go on what we call him binges. So mm -hmm. he would sometimes be there and then he would sometimes be gone for weeks. And you just never knew when he was going to show up. So when my mom was going in for her radiation treatments, me and my sister, and my brother are literally in the waiting room, sitting there, with our, swinging our legs, you know, sitting there quietly doing crossword puzzles, waiting 
for my mom to come out and then take us home or do whatever, you know? And I really got comfortable in the space where, you know, this medical facility or in around doctors. Cause she, at that time had like an oncologist, a radiation oncologist and her primary care physician and her surgeon. Mm-hmm. And I just remember how she looked at them and how they, you know, how they were empathetic. And, you know, I just felt like this is the life and this is what I want to do for people. So wow. yeah, it just called It was me. a no brainer. It was a no brainer at that point. Yeah. So you, so you, so you went and you went to Xavier and then you went to uh, St. Louis University School of Medicine. So you came, well, no, Kansas, wait, Kansas City. Yeah, you went, went back home. So basically, and again, remember my mom didn't play. She did so not. I was supposed to initially go to KU for medical school and KU is actually in Kansas City. Right. And so my mom was like, oh, good. You're coming home. And so you can take your little brother to basketball practice and you make sure, you know, in church, you got to probably go ahead and come on back to the usher board. And I I was like, yeah, that's a little too close for home. Right. And so I was waitlisted at SLU and I called them. I said, is it possible that y'all can move me to the accepted list? And literally two days later, I got accepted. But that was my dream school. And so that's another kind of little nugget in there. Never give up on your dream. Even if you think you have to like, you know, bend, you're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get in. If I hadn't called them and asked them, then they maybe would have chosen someone else. But I put my, I'd never like took them off of my memory. Yeah. And so I kept kind of bugging them and they said, okay, come on, I'll give you a chance. And that spirit of like, not giving up and yeah. pushing for everything you want yeah. came from your mother. Absolutely. My mom had my sister when she was 15. She oh, had wow. me when she was 18 and she was stern. She was disciplined. She um, was very traditional and she was so intentional. Like I remember her making us read the encyclopedia. I remember her actually sometimes making us watch, which is funny, 2020. Mm. And she would make us watch this because she knew as a young mom, right? that we were going to be kind of having, and she was a single mom. Yeah. So there was going to be moments of autonomy and my mama worked nights. So we were home most of the time by ourselves. There was a lot of alone time. And so she wanted me to kind of peep game and be hip to like, not just having book sense, but common sense. Like, okay, so this person just got murdered. What happened there? Right. Like, oh. And they would ask you the question. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, so don't get in a car with ding, ding, ding. Okay. So she would teach me kind of these situations that maybe would come up in her absence. And so I would be able to deal with that. Yeah. And know how to like understand predators and how predators think and how to not be a victim. So after all of this, you decide to join the Navy. Yes. I mean, good job. (laughs) (laughs) What was it in your spirit that said, you know what? Navy. Again, again, it's all about the people who you look at, who kind of mentor you or even from afar because they're living that life of greatness. And so the most successful person in our family was my uncle, my mom's oldest brother. He was a JAG in the Navy. Mm. And so the Navy paid for his law school. And so I said, oh, OK, because, again, I ain't got, I don't have any money. So how do you do that? How do you pay two hundred thousand dollars for school. Yeah. Right. And that's, that was the path for me. So that's how I ended up going to the Navy. They actually paid for my medical school. That is awesome. Yes. So you did flight, like you were a flight, I was a flight surgeon. surgeon. Yeah. So as a part, which is amazing as a doctor, they pay actually to, you know, for you to travel and to train you to do other things. And so a flight surgeon is a primary care physician for pilots and aircrew. And so as a oh. part of that journey, they wanted us to understand the rigors of being a pilot and in the flight environment. And so they actually send you to flight school. And I mean, like literally flight school, you learn how to fly, you go to the classroom work, you learn about weather, you learn all that stuff. And we were right there with 
you know, in the room, same room, same training as the pilots. Let me tell you something. I was today years old when I found (laughs) out that you actually took care of the pilots and not actually having surgery and in flight. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And that's, and it's still a thing. So when you sometimes will see a, you know, a patient being transferred somewhere from one place to another, that still is like a flight surgeon. And so there are flight surgeons who still work for airlines and of course, you know, medical transport and things of that nature. Okay. So there is the possibility to continue to do that kind of work. Um, but because, again, that is his own special thing. And that's the fastest way to transport a patient is in the air. Right. So, so when did you when did you meet your husband? Did you meet him in? I met him at, at the Black Medical Association Conference for students. It's called Student National Medical Association. So y'all were young bucks. We were. Well, he was finishing medical school and I was just starting. He's look, I like to say he's much, much, much older. Oh, he ain't. No, no, he's, <laughs> <laughs> so he um, and we were in Miami. Uh-huh. And so why you got to look like that? We, we were in, in Miami. We were in Miami. You know, and then, we were in Miami. Uh-huh. And so we were in actually an elevator. And so he and his brother and his nephew, because Scott's the oldest of 10 kids. Oh, wow. And so his nephew was, oh, his, his his siblings are older than my parents. His mother was older than my grandmother. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So he has siblings who were and nephews and nieces who are older than me. And so his nephew was like flirting with me, which is funny. So yeah, so we actually, his brother, he brought his brother and his nephew to the medical conference uh-huh. so they can, of course, meet girls. And so, yeah. And smart women exactly. at that. Right, right. right. So me and my girls were in the elevator and he walked in and he was just, they were like, hey, we were like, hey, you know. Right. So, and we just actually stayed friends. So we met that night and then we just kind of kept in touch. And we were literally friends for like several years. And then one time we went to Caravana. And we, you know, saw each other at Caravana and it was just different. And after that, we were together ever since. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, you know, fast forward because, yeah. you know, we got to get to the stuff. Yeah. Um, how did you even get the invitation to be a part of Marriage and Medicine? How did they find you? Obviously, you know, there's always mm-hmm. like the the the, the uh, stipulations. Beautiful. You know, married Ooh. to a, 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 a handsome man. Children. Oh, a nice home. Yeah. And you kind of fit Sure. Those things. Sure. So let's talk about the 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 initial. Hey, we're calling from Bravo and we want to know if you're interested in. And you know when that happened? Because that's exactly how it happened. I know it did. Because so I've gotten several you, calls. You just haven't several. made it. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, no, no. What it, and it's disarming to you because you're just like, is this a prank? Like, right, whatever. Right. You know? So actually, um, before I came on the show, actually, I actually was called before. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, so I Toya actually used to go to my church. Okay. And so I knew her peripherally. And then Simone, we have a really good mutual friend. Okay. And so when I got that call, it was like, mm, nah, it sounds crazy. But I do know some people who would be great. And so that first cycle, actually, of interviewing and things of that nature, I even recommended four or five different people. And one of the people that I recommended, they actually chose. Oh, wow. And so she was on for a year. And then the next year they came back again. And I was just like. This time I was like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Because when I heard about the show, I just heard it was the show that people were fighting on. And I was like, hey, me. I'm not that. That's not, even though it seems like it after you watch the show, you're like, damn, she right, kind of like, she, you know, gangster. You know, <laughs> but we'll get into in, that in real minute. life, I'm not. Right. I, you, I, I was homecoming queen in high school and college. Me like, too. what are we talking about? <laughs> like, I mean, but I guess we all, I mean, even though I'm a little Pollyanna, I have some, those tendencies, you know, this ain't what you want. Like, right. so I'm still from Kansas City. And again, I just told you, you know, who my daddy is, who my right. family is. So <laughs> it's in there. My mama had me young. So again, we've been watching 2020. So I know how to play. <laughs> so I'm, I stay ready. Like, right. I'm always thinking there's a predator around. Right. So, yeah. So that's the thing. So I, it, so that was how it happened. And when they called that first time, it really was, a, I, I think the mistake in my head was, to think that I'm a one trick pony and you can't be like on a TV show and cussing and drinking and having fun and showing who you really are. 
you know, and also still be a professional, which is stupid because we just our professional life is our work. That's work. And we work to sustain our personal life, not the opposite. Right. Yes. And so it's like almost like a fallacy when people think that I have to live my life like about this professional. Like, so I'm so glad that's gone away. I mean, people can wear their hair how they want to. People can drink, cuss, fuss, whatever. They can wear swimming suits, all that foolishness that we used to believe. And I think, honestly, reality television helped for that to start it. But social media, especially like the TikTok and the pandemics and all that stuff. Every doctor that you've ever heard of before is now all over the Internet Barely, you know, cussing, drinking, mm-hmm. fussing, singing rap songs, dancing, twerking, yeah. and, you know, barely dressed. So yeah. I love that. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for helping us out. Yeah. It's the norm. You're actually. able to be as real as you are Absolutely as, as, right. a, as, as a human being. You know, one of the things that was very disheartening to me when you and Scott were going through so much yes. um, and having to show that on television, you know, how did that almost end your marriage? Just that that time. And, and how would you say television... Did television play a role in that? Television saved our marriage. Really? Hardcore. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. So going back to, again, how we met and how. So Scott and I were long distance our entire marriage until we he, we even got married. at, And then a year later is when we actually moved into our oh, wow. I'm sorry, courtship. We were long distance our entire courtship. And we were married for an entire year before we lived in the same city. And so I would say, unfortunately, we didn't really get a chance to know each other until we moved in together. And so we had all these terrible habits and ways of even dealing and talking and and being together. Right. And then after that, we were already married. So it's different when you're dating somebody and you're just like, "Eh, you know, we having problems. But we we were we were past the annulment stage when we moved in together Mm, and as married as a married couple. So we just almost felt like we're stuck together. And it got to be to a point where I would say, and if anyone is listening, if you're in a relationship where you don't talk, Mm. where y'all are giving each, not the arguments, arguments are passion, you know, communication, it can be, you know, positive, negative, but at least y'all still talking. But it got to a point where I was just like, like both of us were like, if you don't have to say any words to me, don't say any words to me. And we were done. We were absolutely done, but we never talked about the why. And mm. reality television makes you talk about, like you can't not talk about it. Like right. you have to deal with it. And so there was moments and cause if you watch some of it, he will walk away. Yeah. And he never even saw that as being something that was troublesome. Right. I always felt like it was just the way that we communicated and that was just our way. And it didn't work for me anymore. And the show made it, to where we had to listen to the possibility that maybe we can revolve, we can resolve that. We can change our communication styles. And I didn't even know what I was doing to like maybe piss him off. Right. I didn't, he would feel like sometimes I'm emasculating him by the way I'm mm-hmm. talking to him. Mm-hmm. And again, my mom and my dad ended up getting divorced. Right. And honestly, that's how I grew up. To, I grew up in a home Listening. where this right. is the way we fought. Yeah. Right. And he grew up again in a divorce home. His father passed away when he was five and he had a stepfather. And so we had all these pathological ways of dealing with one another that we just thought was normal because it was our normal. Right. So you had to create your own normal. We had to get your therapy. life was going. Yeah. We did because but I, I felt like it was just hopeless. Like we just this is just how it is. It's just not going to work out. We just got to move on. And I think because of television, it honestly there was a lot that we couldn't even because it was playing out on television, it was challenging because we couldn't really talk about all of it um, because it was going ha- happening on television. We couldn't talk about it. 
but I was getting therapy and he was getting therapy. And so by the time that you even saw, like, for instance, a reunion, I even was saying to the therapist and he was saying, we can still work this out. I was saying nothing's changed. We're done. And mm -hmm. so we got to reunion. I really was just like, I don't have any feelings anymore about like it was more, it was a mourning situation. Like yeah. I was going through the stages of grief. Like I was like acceptance. Like we're just not going not to change. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. And I think he always felt like this is just going to be the way it is. And he never wanted to be like our kids to have a broken home. So what was the what was the turning point? He never wanted our kids to have a broken home. I grew up in a home where people got divorced and the women were strong and single parenthood was like normal. I mean, I'm a doctor. You're a doctor. Why can't we I'm be, be good? We're going to be good. Right. Right. But he didn't think that that was going to be OK. And I actually commend him tremendously for really putting that to be something that is important because I was kind of selfish in the sense of saying the kids will be all right, which the, and when people get divorced, the kids will be all right. But my son, believe it or not, my son was the one who was going through it. Oh, he was like, I, I can't even believe it. Like, I can't believe you guys are going to break up this family. And I hadn't tried. Like, I was just seriously like, this is not going to get any better. And then when he said that, my son said that, I said, let me go through therapy and actually have an open mind and an open heart to maybe see that we can change some things. But it's not, when people break up, it's not just one person. Yeah. It was both of us. It was the way that we communicated yeah. and the way we fought. And there was no, like, there were no boundaries. And it wasn't that we were calling names and things like that. Sometimes it's a little bit more vicious, right? So my love language, I, I'm a big producer, right? I like to have products. Like I like to do things, get a degree, work hard, have a business, you know, invest, make a profit. And so for him, you know, he would say things to me that he knew was going to hurt me. So it ain't calling me stupid, ugly, dumb names. It's saying like I didn't produce because that's what he knew that would hurt me. And for him, he's more of a nurturer. He is a family man. He is a good person. You know, he, in our wedding, he had 13 groomsmen, 13. That's how many men stood up for him. And so for me, I was saying that he is not like nurturing and he's not kind and he doesn't look out for me. He ain't got my back. He's not a protector. And those are the things I knew would hurt him. Wow. And so we did that. And so it would be just things that would kind of like destroy the fundamental core of, of who, who we are, are as individually. Right. And that would be tough because it's like, you don't even know me. If you're saying that about me and we had to learn how to stop doing that. You know, this and moment. I can say you still get emotional about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't think, I thought it was fair. I'm mad. I can say whatever, you know, you said something hurt my feelings. I get to hurt your feelings right back. And it got to be such a toxic, toxic environment. It was like, you don't even get to use words to me. Don't talk to me unless it has something to do with the kids. Don't talk to me. Wow. And we were there. And so television, which much like it did for me, I was able to see myself. And I, I got therapy because of television. I was able to talk to my mother like I've never talked to her before because of television. Because you actually get to see yourself yeah. in a completely different way. So for you to say it actually saved your marriage. And me, as a viewer thinking, oh, my God, it's destroying their marriage. It actually saved it just, yours. It highlighted it because yeah. there it wasn't and on our, and I'll just be honest about all of reality television. You know, they choose what they show. Yeah. And so I didn't even know that they were going to show some of this stuff because it wasn't like we hadn't had arguments and issues in the past, but they had never showed it, you know. But when they show people stuff, it's just apparently their turn. But everybody goes through it. Even oh, the people yeah. say, oh, everything is wonderful and perfect. You you would be surprised. You'd be surprised. Oh, honey, I yeah. know. Oh, you know. Oh, okay. absolutely. You know, I've been you know. there for 20 years. You know.
So we all have we on Instagram downs. like this, right? Right? Because nobody, I, I don't like this. I'm just playing. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It is, and nobody, and that's why, honestly, when people will see like you know the couples that we really hold to a high regard, you know, who get divorced. It's like, we love each other, but we're going to go our separate ways. You're like, where'd that come from? I love them as a couple because it was the same thing. Yeah. And you're not in a house. You're not right. in a situation. Right. People don't understand that. And I always say this on our 20th anniversary, I wrote on Instagram. I was like, your recipe for your marriage is uniquely yours. What works for another couple is not the same recipe that works for yours. So don't, that's the thing about, and then you go to these people, these counselors, this is what you need to do. What's working for you? Right. Everybody's situation. Everybody's is different. Is different. Yes. Everybody's is different. Um, got a couple more things before we wrap up. Yeah. The competition. Both yes. of you, both you and I did uh, fitness competition. Well, you did it. I, I participated, but you did it. I, like no, you don't, I mean, you did it. Like no, we both did, did it. it. First of all, we made a commitment that a yes. lot of people will never do it. We That's are true. definitely in the minority when it comes to that. We're in like the 0.05% that yes, both of us are. did competitions and yes. we both look fabulous. Yes, you do. What was your decision to do that? I know what mine was. What was yours? So I have been saying I was going to do one for a very long time. Me too. But last year in particular was tough. And I feel like there was a physical manifestation of my mental mm -hmm. state, right? And so my body like was unrecognizable to me when I would look in the mirror mm -hmm. and I needed something to reset. And honestly, when people talk about getting into shape and fitness and health, it's a mental, so it's mental. all mental. The body follows the mind. Right. I say it all the time. The body follows the mind. My producer, Nicole made up her mind. I'm going to change it. That's and right. she did. She recently lost 15 pounds. She looks amazing. She just went out of town. Everybody was like, oh, Nicole, you look so good. She was like, I know. I know. But she made up her mind. It was my mind. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. I needed to train and recondition my mind. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It was almost like I had believed for a long time that I'm, you know, I would say tears of a clown, right? I was that supporter friend. Like you come to me when you have problems. I don't tell people. And that whole like thing, if people are like, oh, Contessa came to me for advice. Lies. I never, I believe exactly what you said. I believe too, you can never, my mom had, my mom and my dad got together when they was 18 years old, 17 yeah. years old. Yeah. How can someone who got together with their spouse at 40, give them advice? It's crazy. Or someone who, that's everybody's situation. And they different. had kids. She, he adopted my big sister, right? So everyone's situation is different. So even asking people for advice to me is a little foolish because you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because usually the voice is the loudest in your brain. Mm -hmm. is You already know what to do. You just yeah. got to listen to it. Yeah. But anyway, but going back to that, when I was going through everything I was going through, I needed to not focus on the external because I did not know if Scott and I were going to survive. I just knew that I needed to be around for a very long time. Life expectancy is shorter yeah. for not only us, our generation, but our children mm -hmm. because of our health. And I needed to be strong. I needed to be ready for the fight of being a single parent. And I actually Damn. was just getting, and even the fight of no matter how me and Scott were like, we're going to have either a happy marriage or a happy divorce, that fight of a divorce. Oh my God, I've seen it. I just needed to be ready. I needed to be mentally strong and centered. And the only way I could see doing that was to really focus on something bigger than myself. And so that's how I got, because I knew that was going to take a lot of focus on, on this. Like I had to focus on that and I couldn't think about nothing else. Wow. And it was great. It was perfect timing because the byproduct of that was a lot of things that was going wrong in my other, in my personal life and mm -hmm. my professional life. Those all felt not only in, in alignment, 
but into perfection, like yep. perfect step. Yep. It was great. Absolutely. It's transferable skills. When people don't, when you do those types of competition, you do that, you do those types of things where you change your life. It's not just for your physical health. Like it transfers into your entire life. From doing that, I started like, you know what? I need to make sure my show is seen now and not just heard. I did this and all these other things that I just started to manifest in my life. And I really credit that because of the training for the competition. That discipline. That discipline is, it's something that... (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to get back to. It is. You have the. It almost becomes your mind. Like it becomes who you are now. Yeah. Right. It just. I had to also prove to myself of what I was capable of. Mm-hmm. Right. I knew I was strong, but I wanted to see yeah. if I do this because I could. You know, get a degree with in my sleep. But what about? Can I transform my body? Yep. Can I physically look at myself and say I did that? Right. With God's help, not by myself. Right. But you know, in Abdul, but I was able to actually make those choices. Yeah. And look amazing as a Thank mother of three, a wife, a professional in your 40s. And we look like, look, I'm including myself. We hey. look like this. Hey. Honey, let me hey. come at 22 year old girl. I know, What's right? right. What, what you, you got? Long lashes. Exactly right. I don't look even need me. all that. I don't need all that. <laughs> I don't need it. I can wear some tinted moisturizer. Yes, <laughs> I sure do. Laura Mossier every day. Uh, okay. Every day. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, look. Look. All right. All oh, right. Okay, so in the fall of 1995, you became a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Mm -hmm. Did DST choose you or did you choose DST? Okay, so truth be told, I chose DST. So a lot of my friends from high school will remind me that I was an AK debutante in high school. Well, I a minute you were. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I literally love AKs. Right. I love them. They gave me a scholarship and I literally love it. When I got to college, though, it was like I wasn't... When I got to college, I was just, I knew I was going to be AK when I got to college. Right. But I didn't know anything about Delta. I just didn't know about it. And so my best friend, my roommate at the time, she was pledging Delta. Uh-huh. And my other friends were like interested in Delta. So I was like the only one in my group that was like, I'm going to be AK. They were like, do you know anything about Delta? And I actually read the book, yeah. In Search of Sisterhood. Uh-huh. I read it. Uh-huh. I was like, I love this story. And if I maybe had stayed at home, I don't know. I think right. I probably would have just stuck, just fell in line and done what I was supposed to do, so to speak. Because that's what I was told when I came home. Like, you know what you're supposed to do. You're right, right, right. But I love my AK, my Janine Pettiford. Yes, She's here, my yes. breast surgeon. Oh, that to, I love We her. were debutantes together. There. Yes. there we go. Yes, yes, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So she was like, what did you do when you went to, cause she went to Howard. So she was, when I came, we all came home for Christmas right. and we had pledged and she was like, what, what the happened? What did you do? Like she felt like I slapped her in the face, <laughs> but it was the best decision for me. Yeah. You know, you and I to do what makes your heart feel good. It just, yeah. yeah. And it's again, and it's also, you do have, it's about who is there at the time and who you're with. Yeah. And that's who I, who I identify with. Yeah. The best. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's fantastic. <sighs> if you had to hang with anybody in your cast, like in real life, in real life, who, who would you hang out with? You know what's interesting? For different reasons, I would actually hang out with everybody. Even the ones I'm not talking to right now. For who you ain't talking to? Well, you know, I'm not. Me and Heavenly don't fuck with each other. I mean, can we say bad yeah, words? Yeah, you can. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's okay. a free show. It's okay. fine. Sorry. I know. That is that. that I don't changed. like what I don't I like know. you guys. You know, I'm. this is why I never was able to do reality. I, I have yeah. gotten interviewed for um, Housewives of Atlanta four times. You Four. You should be no, on I should not. I am not a person that can argue. I will get red every night. I do not believe that. <laughs> no, no, I do no. not believe that. They'll be like, I do not believe that. They'll be like, oh, you want this. No worries, no worries. I'll be no, like that. I don't, I don't believe I that. Do I can't do it. I believe you in your shower tearing them up. No, the producers, every time, Have I'm like, what? I really don't like dissension. I really like happiness. That's Me why too. I never made it. Me I never too. made it. I never made it. But you know what it is? They know. So this is what people do. And this is the, the true 
honest truth about this whole environment. They put a bunch of alphas in the same, not even like room, in the same cup. Mm. I mean, it's nowhere to go, right? right? You are in this little microcosm. And alphas, if you give us long enough, we are going to have some, you know, something that we don't agree about. And because we're alphas, we're not going to back down. Right. And so you just got to so. find the right thing that someone doesn't agree about and they going to go to battle for it. I mean, and I, might. I guess things. I could do that Absolutely. if you put me in the right situation. If someone if someone talked about the, you know, they discredited, you know, they discredited AKs. Right. They discredited families and right. marriage and your children. Or they discredited the fact that HBCUs are as good as majority right. schools. You will argue them down. There's I no way you'd be like, oh, my God. No, you would not. So it's all about, but other stuff like, you know, I mean, labels matter. Who cares? Whatever. Right. I don't care about that. Where you, get your makeup done every two minutes. Yeah, okay, whatever. Get your, make sure your nails are always done. Well, I don't, certain things you don't care about, but the other things that you do, you're never going to back down. Right. And that's what happens. They know exactly who to choose. Right. And they know what the thing is that you're going to stand up for. Do you ever look back at any scenes like, oh, all Damn. of them, all of them. I look back at BravoCon. I'm like, oh my God, did I say that and do that? And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I don't really, when, you know, someone's like, I stay off of Twitter. I don't be on Twitter. Me neither. I don't want to hear, I don't want to read your comments. I don't argue with folks. I don't actually even watch those little clips and stuff about the show because one, I, in the moment, I'm a Gemini. So in the moment, I meant that shit. Oh my God. Right. But I get it out. It's like I fall, when I go to sleep, I wake up the next morning, like, let's be friends. I'm cool. Right. Like, we argued about it. We we finished it, but I'm not a big girl. <laughs> you know, the gym, the other I'm the other side. Yeah. That day. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but I don't want to, like, I don't stay mad. Like, I don't hold grudges really. Like, I don't have the energy and space in my heart to do that. I got it out. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And then we can move on. But I don't hate you because we disagreed about something. But some, you know, but sometimes I think people like to just, pick at you and to like fight. And I'm not on, you know, on a regular basis, just a fighter. Like I'm more of the fun girl. I'm yeah. the fun time. Yeah. That sounds very different than I meant for it to come out though. I, okay. I mean, not like that. I, didn't, I mean, we get, I I've only say, had a few you have a sexual partners. So I don't want y'all to think that. <laughs> Well, so I'm not that good fun you. girl. You know, don't be looking, <laughs> don't be looking me up on them VHS um, porns and see if you know finding no, some old no, tapes. No, no, you're not, good, I'm not you're there. Good, you're okay. good. You're okay. you're a nice wholesome doctor. Now. I am totally yes, fine. Exactly. Mother, wife, well, all the things. I ain't gonna tell Everybody you about it. No, I'm just, no what? <laughs> Doctor Contessa, thank you so much for, thank you for, for being here me. today. Cool sore. Cool sore. Yes, yes, yes. she is my cool sore. Cheers. That's right. Love Thank you so much you. for joining us. We appreciate you for being here. Dr. Contessa Metcalf, make sure you check her out on Married to Medicine and all of her different businesses. <laughs> you know, she's doing great things. See me, Chastain Integrated yes. Medicine. And, right. Yes. yes. And stay sexy with Scott. Y'all are so sexy. See, Thank I can tell y'all in a real good space. Y'all be making love a lot. A lot. I know. I yeah. can tell. I can tell when you're in that space. Me and my husband, we right there right now too. Just last night. It's fun. It's fun. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun fun. though. And it's good for your mental health. It is good for your mental health and your physical health. That's correct. I love it. It's the Cool Story Podcast with your truly Rashana Lee and Dr. Contessa Metcalf. Cool Story.